The Daily Tap is live for Thursday. It is May 18th. We are going to discuss, should Brewer fans worry that the Cardinals are going to pull a Miami Heat? Talk a little bit about the Brewers Cardinals. We'll also mention the Heat at the very end of that uh, segment. We'll run through some golden kegs. We'll also talk about the Packers over under at seven and a half. Will that move before the month of August? We'll discuss that. Uh, we'll also do the NMM, the National Media Murph, uh, which we haven't done in a long time. I think it actually should be called the NMR, the National Media or NMMR, the National Media Murph Report, in honor of our good buddy Nolan Murphy, who's hanging out in Italy. Uh, hopefully, he's listening to these pods on his way home. Might need something to listen to. Uh, we'll go over some of the national topics that we don't. Always talk about, always get to, uh, but because we have some time here, because there's you know not a ton going on, we uh, will do that. And Mitch and I are taping tomorrow, so I'm saving a little meat on the bone for Mr. Mitch, uh, and we'll do that tomorrow. So looking forward to talking with you guys then. Uh, before we get going, just a reminder, social media, Tepnikag on Twitter, Tepnikag Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. Uh, make sure that you are also subscribed, which I'm sure you are. But if you're not, uh, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on wherever else you get your podcast. Drop this into your group chats. Uh, get the get the people going uh, with different topics. Uh, and this one, a little more pessimistic than than we like, but we, we got to talk about it. St. Louis Cardinals took a series to the Milwaukee Brewers this week. Uh, St. Louis Cardinals pounded the Brewers on Monday uh, the Brewers had a great win on Tuesday. If we were doing a podcast Wednesday, I would have been fired up about this game. But as baseball can do to you, you can get real high and get real low in the same week, in the same series. It doesn't take much. And if the Brewers were able to scrap this one out and they were able to grind it out and win, I think emotions would be sky high. You'd be 4-2 against the Cardinals team that you will not see until the September. But now you're 3-3 three and three against this Cardinals team. Even though the Cardinals are 17 and 24, even though the Cardinals are 7 and 14 at home, they are lurking. It is reminiscent of what the Bucs saw with the Miami Heat. Now, we didn't necessarily worry about the Miami Heat before we played the Miami Heat. Let's be 100% clear. We fucked around and found out. And I'm not necessarily saying the Brewers took the St. Louis Cardinals not seriously. I think it's a rival. I think they always, you know, come to play against St. Louis and they know level. You can't have mistakes. Like, it's you need to play mistake-free baseball. But there has to be a little bit in the back of all of our heads that the St. Louis Cardinals could make it a division. And that the St. Louis Cardinals could be here at the end. And we've seen examples of of teams like the Atlanta Braves in 2021 and the Washington Nationals in 2019 and even the Philadelphia Phillies, even though they win it in 2022, where they started slow and then they got incredibly hot over the summer. They rode that momentum all the way to the World Series. Two of those examples, they won that World Series. One example, they they got close. I mean, the Phillies, Phillies put up a good fight against the Houston Astros. They, they didn't necessarily get outclassed by that Astros team. So as a Brewer fan, you do have to at least acknowledge this. You can't just ignore it. 
because the Cardinals are too talented. I think we can all agree that the start the Cardinals had was not realistic and not indicative of what they are as a baseball team. They have Nolan Arenado, who's one of the best players in the game. Paul Goldschmidt was the MVP last season. They have a ton of young talent coming out the ass with Brandon Donovan, Tommy Edmond, Nolan Gorman. And so they they are extremely talented offensively. The pitching is the bugaboo. Uh, but if Jack Flaherty pitches like we saw on Monday night, or if Miles Mikolas continues to kind of get his shit together, which it seems like he is as well, if Matt Libitor turns out to be something, if Adam Wainwright still has something left in this tank, this Cardinals team is going to be there at the end, and they fix their bullpen. Ryan Helsley is great. Like Ryan Helsley is a top five, t- definitely top ten closer, might be a top five closer in the National League. They need to worry about the middle, but I feel like every team at this point of the year still needs to worry about the middle of their bullpen. You could say, all right, yeah, this team, like look at the Rays, right? The Rays are on pace to win like 120 games and their bullpen had two absolute meltdowns against the New York Mets tonight. You also had the Rays over the weekend blow a 6-0 lead to the New York Yankees. So like, even though they have a top five, top 10 bullpen and they're really good, they still are susceptible. So I'm not really worried about anybody's bullpen at this point. But back to the Cardinals and the makeup, they are just never going to say dot. I think we pointed it out on podcast. I can't, I think it was with Mitch or maybe, it, I, I definitely talked about how the, oh no, it was like Twitter or something, whatever maybe. Let's redo that. One great exercise you can do is go through baseball reference and look at the Cardinals records. Look at how many times the St. Louis Cardinals have won 60 or 70 games. It is not often. The St. Louis Cardinals do not have bad years. St. Louis Cardinals are as much of an establishment in baseball as anything. And it hurts to sing their praises as much as I am, but it's very reminiscent of what we saw with this Miami Heat team. They just have a culture of winning and they have an ability to burn you on every single fucking mistake. Think about today's game. Brewers are down one nothing. Tyrone Taylor hits a home run. And or well he thought he had a home run. And it was really just it just missed. It was so so close to being a home run and being a tie ball game. It's a totally different mindset. It's a different mindset for Corbin Burns. It's a different mindset for the Cardinals offense. It's a different mindset for Matt Libitor, who is in his first game of the big league season. But instead it isn't. The Cardinals then have three basically infield hits, it seems like. They load the bases. Now Corbin Burns gets out of it, right? But the Cardinals were ready to make you pay immediately after that. And that's what they do. The Cardinals tacked on a massive insurance run with a Paul DeYoung home run. DeYoung, in that moment when he had the bases loaded, he struck out. Next at bat, he hits a home run. And that's the type of stuff that the Cardinals have been doing for as long as it's been a rival of the Milwaukee Brewers. So that's why you have to at least acknowledge it. You can't run from it. Do I think the run differential stuff's a little bit bullshit? Yeah, I do. I, I think it's way too early to be looking at run differential. I saw Talking Baseball mention it. I saw uh, Kravis mention it. Like, fuck off. I, I liked all those guys, but 
respectfully fuck off. Because here's the thing. The Cardinals won 18-1 to on Monday night. They added 17 runs to their run differential. The Brewers lost 17 runs. Brewers are right now at a one run differential, plus one. Then on top of that, you look at the, to just prove that it's bullshit and to leave it alone, the Chicago Cubs are at a plus 22. Why are the Cubs at a plus 22? Because the Cubs played the Oakland A's and they had a bunch of runs. And they've, their offense has been pretty good. But they are in the absolute dumpster right now. And it seems like things are turning the wrong way for the Chicago Cubs. Now, could they bail themselves out? Sure. But it has not looked pretty. And the Cubs bullpen looks atrocious. Um, and for all the platitudes about the guys they signed, they didn't think to sign anybody in their bullpen. Imagine that. Well, they, actually, they did. Michael Fulmer, but he sticks. But back to the Cardinals, uh, as I give a couple ricochet shots to the Cubs, they, they just know how to win baseball games. And that's the part that scares you as a Brewers fan. And that's the part where you wish the Brewers didn't play with their food against San Francisco and the Giants. I really, really hope that that is not a stretch of baseball that we look back on and we say, fuck, that was kind of where they blew their window of opportunity. Because consider this, the Cardinals were still in the dumps at that point. The Pittsburgh Pirates had started to fade. Now Pirates won today. The Pirates were starting to fade at the same time the Brewers were fading. And the Brewers didn't take advantage. They didn't at least throw some dirt on the zombie. I'm not saying that the Cardinals still couldn't have rose up and that the Cardinals would still be lurking. But I don't think any of us are going to be shocked if it's June 15th, a month basically from now, and the Cardinals are right there in the mix, that they're 500 or they're a little bit better than 500. They're going to be a factor. We cannot just say, all right, it's one series. It is one series, yes. But you're three and three now with a team you won't see till September. It's how the new baseball rules work. I don't really like how they've set it up for the divisions personally. I really think like you should, if they can't, I don't know if the numbers work here, but I, I really would like the Brewers to play everybody in the division once every six weeks. Like that's how, like the Brewers and Cardinals should play again right around July fourth, and and so on. So and they don't believe they play the Cubs until September two or no, they play the Cubs earlier than that. But you get my point. Like I feel like it should be a little bit more of that sort of rotation. And I I know this is the first year with this balanced schedule. I believe that they're going to figure some things out. I saw today uh, that the Royals go to Chicago. After they were in Milwaukee last weekend and they did a three-game road trip in San Diego, of all places. Like, how does that make sense? How is it not Milwaukee, Chicago, out to San Diego, back home to Kansas City? That just blows my mind. But I I really look at that and and know that they're going to figure it out. But it really creates a lot of room for opportunity and for failure. And the Brewers are going to need to continue to put the pressure on. This is a very tough stretch for them. Now, they took care of business against the Royals. That was extremely important. I talked about that last week, and I said, you have to take care of business there. And they did. They listened. And now you're, let's see, do math here. They're four, let's see, they're four and two, five. They're five and four in their last nine. 
and that's with series against the Dodgers and Cardinals. You have the Rays this weekend. I think the Rays have been a little susceptible in terms of their bullpen. Shane McCallahan pitching on Friday, which we'll talk about probably tomorrow too, is an absolute dog. Um, a left-hander, so good. Uh, I don't know if you could bet a guy to get to have a no-hitter, but it might be it might be worth a wager. I I hate doing it. I I never ever 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 bet against my team. I think it's a cardinal sin. I think that's the sign when you become a full degenerate when you bet against your team. But if you have a if you don't have a conscience, McCallan for a no hitter is not a if you, if that's available. I think it is. It's crazy odds, but I I wouldn't put it past them to do it. So if you're not a Brewers fan. I recommend it. It, it. it is on the table tomorrow. But anyways, to bring it back to the Cardinals and their heat-like presence, yeah, it, I, I just, I expect the Cardinals to be there. I'm not going to think that this team is not is going to go quietly into the night. And hopefully when they do have another losing streak, because they will, because this is baseball, the Brewers are at having a winning streak and can kind of build a cushion. The best case scenario for the Milwaukee Brewers is they're up five, well, not more than that. They're up like 10 games in July. But you know what the fucked up thing is? The fucked up thing is I will still believe the Cardinals are alive. I am not going to throw dirt. After the lessons I learned from that Miami Heat team, I am not going to throw dirt on a team until I absolutely no, they are dead. Golden Kegs, we do this after every series. We talk about the best and worst things that happen to the Brewers players over the series. We go from five kegs being the best, one keg being the worst. Uh, we will try to get back onto social media. I was doing it for social for a while, and then I, I petered out, which happens. Um, a little content game uh, behind the scenes. Everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. It's hard, man. It's hard to keep up uh, doing this plus a full-time job and content. Let me tell you, it's not not easy. Five kegs, though, goes to Devin Williams. Devin Williams, dog. Uh, awesome performance from Devin Williams on Tuesday night. He gets a five-out save. He actually, as someone pointed out, he had a six-out save because Joey Weimer mishandles the ball with two outs in the game. Uh, should have been the last out of the inning. Devin Williams has the composure to get another out and preserve the win for the Milwaukee Brewers. After what happened tonight, the Brewers losing, that looms very large. That looms very large. And that was an even bigger moment now. And Devin Williams looks great out there. And the fact the Brewers are using him in those type of situations in the middle of May says a lot. I think that says a lot about this team. I think it says a lot about the Brewers actively trying to win baseball games. And you're probably like, Charlie, what do you mean by that? It's like, they are not trying, they're not kind of fucking around and finding out, right? That That is not what the Brewers are doing. The Brewers think they have an opportunity to win. They're going after. They're trying to put the foot on the throat. Devin Williams in the eighth inning is putting the foot on the throat. So great stuff from Dev. Uh, I, I, really, I really like what I've seen all year. Uh, it's he's been about as reliable as it can get. Knock on wood. 
Uh, and I look for, I hope he gets some tests against the Rays. Like, I, I hope we see a Rosarena versus Devin Williams. I live for those matchups. Even if it doesn't go well for the Brewers, I live for those matchups because I think they're important to have in the regular season. I think they translate to October. And also, the Brewers are probably winning or it's tied. And so hopefully, hopefully Dev gets that moment this weekend. But yeah, great stuff from him. You had to think he he was hyped with being St. Louis's hometown. I'm sure that was an awesome moment for him. And he really pitched well uh, on Tuesday Tuesday night. Four guys goes to Old Miller. Uh, Old Miller easily the biggest surprise of the Milwaukee Brewers so far this season. I think he's up to like I Kurt Hat. Hog, who's beat writer for the Brewers, had the stats, but Owen Miller has been just on an absolute tear. He seems to be taking advantage of every opportunity that has been put in front of him. He got fortunate that there were two lefties this week, so he pit, he played he started in both of those games. But Owen Miller right now is hitting 342 with an OPS of 850. Awesome production from him. Do I expect it the entire year? Probably not. Uh, it's it's something that I don't think you can think Owen Miller is going to be a key cog of the Brewers' offense. But you never know. We've seen crazier things have happened. I, I think I, on Twitter, used the Casey McGee example uh, where I think everybody expected at some point Casey McGee to fall off and then Casey McGee was good that entire year. The next year was brutal. And then everybody in the media defended him till, till the death because he was so nice to everybody and he always gave a quote and so the media mafia that is at the brewers organization i pre like kurt and some of the other guys that do a really good job that do a very good job at for this season and the seasons prior really protected mcgee but that's another story for another time but yeah i i love what o miller has given this team and i think he's a guy that you may have to have a conversation is he an everyday lineup guy you know, is he a DH uh, over him over Jesse Winker? Jesse Winker still, have, we haven't seen a ton. He did get a base hit today, uh, but we haven't seen a lot from Jesse Winker. So should Owen Miller, you know, get his spot? Uh, the Yelich injury is obviously troublesome. Miller might continue to play that left field um, if he continues to succeed. Uh, but I think you'd really like to have Christian Yelich back. So hopefully, hopefully Christian Yelich is back on Friday. Three guys goes to Brian Anderson. Brian Anderson had the big home run uh, to put the Brewers on top on Tuesday. No, nothing else really notable for Brian Anderson, but still a good piece of clutch hitting for the Brewers' third baseman. Uh, he continues to do enough. Uh, I, I feel like I am pleased with the Brian Anderson acquisition. I didn't expect much. I went, I'll be honest. I wasn't. I wasn't looking at Brian Anderson being like, yeah. Brian Anderson's going to be this fucking awesome player for the Brewers. I thought, you know, yeah, he he has a chance to he has a chance to do something, be something. Uh, but it's it's he's just he's doing the three keg work. 241, six home runs, OPS of 750. He takes a lot of walks. Um so yeah, I I've a little speed. I think his his arm is underrated. He really kind of has a cannon out right field when he plays there. So yeah, I'm I'm satisfied, satiated, if you will, with the Brian Anderson experience. Two guys goes to Wade Miley's injury. I think you could throw Christian Christian Yelich's injury in there. Uh, man, 
Tough stuff for Wade Miley going out with a lat injury. It seems like that is going to be an injury that's going to keep him on the sidelines for a while. Um, not ideal for the Brewers who are among the walking wounded. Uh, as Mitch pointed out to me in a text, the Brewers are running out of bodies. I asked Mitch if he's getting assigned to Appleton uh, because, like, yeah, it's it's tough. They just trade Luke, Luke, Lucas Ersig uh, to the A's for cash considerations. I didn't know the Oakland A's had money to trade, but apparently they do. Uh, and Ersig, a talented guy who might get a chance in the big leagues now with that rope, rinky-dink A's team. I have, a, I have a question around the A's to Mitch that I'll ask tomorrow, uh, Brewers related, but I'm not gonna, I'll save that for it, for the people. That's a little bit of a tease. But yeah, uh, that injury sticks. Uh, it's It sucks because Wade Miley has been really good. He's been a key cog to what the Brewers have been doing, a very good team chemistry guy. I imagine he's still gonna be around, but yeah, it looks like we're probably without Miley and Woodruff now until mid-June. No word on who will replace Wade Miley. Will it be Jansen Junk? Uh, that would be the obvious one. Uh, he's pitching really well in AAA, but is Jansen Junk basically Keston Hira, but in pitching form? We'll, we'll have to see. One cat goes to Gus Varland. Gus Varland got DFA'd after the game, gave up nine runs. Uh, it was ugly. Uh, that's the whole reason the run differential looks the way it does. It's Gus Varland. Uh, he... Hasn't necessarily looked the same since the ball got hit right off his face. We talked about that on Monday's show. We kind of did the three things to know. And I had said, I, look, he's not a big leaguer. And sure enough, the Brewers Cup bait. And good on the Brewers, man. I, I know that that had to be a tough decision. But it seems like the Brewers front office, Matt Arnold, and the new brass without David Stearns, is a little quicker to pull plugs. Like, they don't really fuck around. Like, if you're not performing, you're done. Gus Varland, done. Colin Ray, done. Like, they they don't have time for it. And I don't and I hope that they don't re-reward Ray and he's now your starter for Wade Miley. That to me, try junk again. Junk doesn't work. Try somebody else. I think the Brewers really need to start being active in terms of trades as long as like Yelich is healthy. Because I they need to find a team who has a surplus starting pitching that's willing to give it to the Brewers. But I don't know if that exists. Because as the old adage is, is like they, you could never have enough pitching. So yeah, the Gus Varland, I'm bummed out about it. I, we'll see. We'll see how it all transpires. Like the Dodgers can take him back. Uh, the, I think the Dodgers, you have to then trade the Dodgers for Gus Varland if you want to keep him on the team. Uh, maybe the way Matt Arnold sees it. And I, it's not a bad thing. There's a little, little bit of tinfoil hat truck here. But it's like, all right, Gus Varland gave him nine runs. Does not look ready to pitch. Looked awful in the game. Maybe the Dodgers will be like, yeah, we don't need him. You're right. We'll take him for the cash considerations that they just got for the Oakland A's. They'll get that for Gus Varland. And you could also add to your tinfoil hat, why are they getting rid of Lusig Ursig? Are they clearing a spot for Gus Varland on the AAA team? We'll just have to see. Uh, that's... Definitely something to keep an eye on this weekend. All right, let's move on to the Green Bay Packers and their over-unders. Packers are set at seven and a half wins. I got inspired by this as I saw 
Bill Simmons talking about the Packers over under uh, with Mike Lombardi. I felt like I, I was obliged and I had to check in because the Green Bay Packers at seven and a half is, I, I, I don't want to go as far as disrespect. I feel like it's like the five, the five things, right? Strongly agree, agree, neutral, slightly disagree, strongly disagree. You know, like that, those charts, like you fill out for HR or fill out for some other dumb fucking corporate thing. I think for a seven and a half, it's a slightly disagree. I, I, I'm borderline strongly. I don't want to say it's disrespectful because I feel like that's what we all say when we get mad about something affecting our team. We're like, oh, the disrespect. Oh, this and that. Like that drives me crazy about Badger fans. And I like the football team. I don't know if I'd consider myself a fan. I, I will, between, between you and I, I'm very tempted not to do reviews this year for the Badgers. I, I don't know. Like, it's hard. Because I like the football team, but it, it, I don't have the same, like, ride or die with it. Like, it's not, it, it doesn't, like, break my heart when they lose. It sucks. I'm like, yeah, it stinks. I, I like seeing them succeed. But I, if they win, like I'm not like fired up about. It. I've talked about this before, so this is an internal debate that usually happens every May. So if you have May 17th as as the day for me to talk about this, you have won a prize. You've cashed out at the Tapping the Keg Sportsbook. But anyways, the Packers over unders. It's at seven and a half. I feel like it's a uh, it's sort of that slightly disagree. I, I just. I don't know if it's at hammer status. It's minus 130 on, on bet online. I'm sure it's different on wherever else you look in terms of sports books. But I, I do think the Packers deserve a little more respect for that. I think if we're factoring last season and Aaron Rodgers had a thumb injury through most of it, Packers defense didn't figure themselves out until the final four weeks of the season. Uh, the Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs experiment might have been a lot better had both been healthy for the entire year. I think that's a great what if in the Aaron Rodgers saga um, that is, that happened. Uh, I, and so like you factor that all in and then you add the fact that Green Bay Packers still amid all of that bullshit still won eight games. Now what the books, bookmakers are saying is, well, that's Aaron Rodgers. That's all based on Aaron Rodgers. That has nothing to base on the rest of the team. And I think the team has already talked about having a chip on their shoulder. Now, Grand Vegas is going to factor that in. But I do think the Packers are going to want to come out and show they can do this without Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if you guys saw Devontae Adams' comments uh, to Mirren Fader about how he wanted to prove that he could do this without Aaron Rodgers. That was part of the reason why Devontae Adams left. Now, do I wish that Devontae Adams... That there's a world where the Packers could have went without Aaron Rodgers and stuck with Devontae Adams. Yeah, I do. I, I mean, that's a that's a topic that we could certainly do at some point because it's an interesting alternate universe, right? Packers trade Rodgers to Denver and then they use you know the available cap money they have and they go sign Adams to a long-term deal and Adams is sort of the guy for Jordan Love. That, that could have happened. But I mean, all accounts I got was that he did not want to be here. 
And it wasn't that he didn't want to be here and be a Packer. It was that he didn't really like living in Green Bay, uh, more his wife than him. His family didn't come out here to see him. And yeah, it was it was a lot of other non-football things, but one of them was to do it without Aaron Rodgers. And I, I do think that there's a lot of guys on this team that want to show they can do this without Aaron Rodgers. And they have a pretty easy schedule. We talked about it last week at ad nauseum. They have a schedule that is built for them to have success. And if you think about seven and a half wins, you don't even have to make the playoffs. You could be a eight and nine team and you cover that. And then the question of, do you think it's going to move before the season's starting? So if we look at this on August 18th, and we're like, all right, we're going to play this our future bets. Where's that, where's that Packers number? I think it stays at seven and a half as long as Jordan Love doesn't show something in the preseason. If preseason Jordan Love looks awesome and then the hype train kind of starts humming and all of a sudden the hype trains for the Lions and the Bears are not as loud and then you hear Jordan Love hype trains chugging along, you'll start seeing that thing float to eight. You'll start saying, and I'm sure their division odds will go down, and which are I don't know where they are right now. I can check that. It's I think it's around three plus three hundred or something like that, and they're lumped in with everybody. It was an overreaction by some books where they added Packers at like plus five hundred after the draft, which was fucking wild. Um, so I, I do think that the only way that there is line movement either way is based on preseason play. It, it, which shouldn't exactly factor in, and it's more the quarterback. Like if Love looks really shaky in however many preseason games he plays, you might see that thing go to seven. But I, I still, even if Love looks shaky in the preseason, I think it's worth shaking off, and it's worth sort of just being like, ah, is this really is this really going to happen this way? Um, okay, so I did pull up division futures. Interesting, the Jets are plus 230 uh, towards the Bills, if anyone was curious. NFC North odds right now. You have the Packers. I might have to might have to dabble in this. They are plus 425. Chicago Bears are at 350. The Minnesota Vikings are at 225. Lions, I understand, at plus 160. But plus 425? Are you fucking kidding me? I, like, that that's the part that's disrespectful. Seven and a half wins, fine. The disrespect comes in when you look at the division. The, these people that believe the Bears are going to be so much better are absolutely out of their mind. Bears fans might be the most delusional fan base that we have to deal with on a regular basis. I thought Vikings fans were bad, but Bears fans, I think, are worse. I saw even a post from the Windy City Gridiron about are the Packers secretly tanking for Caleb Williams because they didn't pick up Jordan Love's extension. Like, we live in their fucking kitchen so goddamn much. And I'm just, I'm kind of sick of it. Where's Bears over under here? Must be high. It's seven and a half, too. It's the exact same odds as the Packers. Wow, do I love that. Let that thing get to eight, though. That would be awesome if that thing got to eight. But man, oh man. 
I think people are significantly discounting the Packers. I understand they're going to be growing pains. I get it. I get that this is a young team. I fully know that. That said, I'm kind of ready to get hurt again. I'm ready to believe in this team. I'm ready to look at it and say, oh yeah, this is this is Green Bay Packers football and it, in a new era. But yeah, I, I do not agree with the seven and a half. I think it should be eight. I think you could even make a case for eight and a half. Eight and a half would be too strong. I'll, I'll, I'll pull that back. It's eight. Eight is probably the fair number. Seven and a half, tinge disrespectful. Plus 425 for the division. That's, that is disrespect. Uh, as a team who is contended for many of them, who has a culture in place, who has a team in place to, I think, be a division winner. I don't think they are a Super Bowl contender. I don't even think I could talk myself into that, which is, so, which is great. First time probably since maybe the first year of Rodgers where I didn't feel like the Packers could win the Super Bowl, um, which is okay. And maybe we recalibrate. Maybe we make new decisions. But yeah, to think the Packers as four, basically a little bit better than 4-1 to one odds to win the NFC North is not going to fly in this household. So... We shall see uh, what the Packers end up doing. We got a long way to go. So many things that can happen. So many things that could sway that over under. I, I will, the last piece of advice that I will offer you is if you have a few few monies lying around and you want to put a wager on the Packers, do it before June 1st. Because June 1st opens up some contract stuff. There's going to be some releases. I think there are going to be some trades. Like, what if the Packers trade for DeAndre Hopkins? Not saying they will, but let, what, let's just hypothetically say they trade for DeAndre Hopkins. That over-under shoots... DeAndre Hopkins is probably at least worth half, half a game, if not a full game. That it, It's easily eight. It might be eight and a half. And that would be nine. But it, it shoots way up there if DeAndre Hopkins ends up being a Packer. Same goes for if, you know, the Bears bring in somebody or Lions bring in somebody. It's probably worth June 1st to have something in if you really want it. And if you don't and, and you're okay waiting, then I would wait till like the start of training camp. And then I would also get it in right before preseason. So nobody has any eyes on these teams just yet. It can sway the lines and be like, oh my God, Packers look amazing offensively. So little little word of wisdom. Uh, from your old friend, Charlie. Let's wrap up today's show with the National Media Murph Report. What is this? My dear friend, Murph, we've heard on this podcast, he is a national media guy. Uh, that is what he does. He always looks at the national storylines. Uh, sometimes I feel like he'll shoot down topics of mine because it doesn't blend well with local and national. I love him for it. But sometimes he gets way over his skis on. Sometimes he's just like loves the Lakers. He doesn't really like the Yankees. Point that out. Uh, let the record show. Big big LeBron guy. Uh, he also likes the Yankees. They say the Yankees. They say the Yankees. Lakers. Like he likes all of them. Now, Grant, some of it's business related. But still, you get the point. So the National Media Murph Report. Uh, talking about a few things that have been on my mind. Uh, let's start with the Heat and Celtics. We're going to talk a lot about the NBA tomorrow. So you're like, where's the coaching search? Where's all that? We're going to talk about it tomorrow with Mitch. Uh, low key, I, I 
feel like a coaching hire could happen, which would completely throw our entire show out the window. But that's okay. That, that would be fine. Uh, I would love to have Mitch on and talk about that tomorrow. So we'll see. Uh, but the Heat win game one against the Boston Celtics. They flip a switch. They're down 13. They win that game going away. Uh, the Heat were awesome. Uh, were just what we've seen all playoffs. Struess, Gabe Vincent were hitting shots. It was There was some PTSD baked in there where all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, I, I've watched this before. I've seen this before. Because yeah, it was a clinic by the Miami Heat in the second half. And they take game one of the series. Oh, Vincent, or uh, also it was Caleb Martin and and Kyle Lowry all were great. 12 of 12 of 22 from three. Absolutely crazy. That is that is nuts. That is absolutely nuts for the Miami Heat. Uh, but I, I honestly think the bigger story is not the Heat. It's the fact that YouTube TV absolutely fell apart. YouTube TV was getting absolutely cooked on the internet. Uh, it was down. Nobody could watch the end of the fourth quarter. Uh, the reviews have been strong and heavy against YouTube TV. It's a huge subscriber race. They have the NFL Sunday ticket coming up in in, uh, in September. You knew that Warren Sharp would sound the alarm bells. No one likes to scream fire in a, a movie theater quite like Warren Sharp. And he he is right in this case. Like he's right to call fire because it's like, you guys can't have this happen week one of the NFL. If this happens week one of the NFL, it is going to be an all out rage fest with how much money they are charging for Sunday ticket with the promises they have made. They need to be perfect. They cannot have things like this happen where channels go out. And I, that has happened to me before uh, watching sporting events, I believe. Uh, it's it's rough. It really is. And they got to figure their shit out. And they need to get ahead of it. And I know they got emails from the NFL tonight. Like I know there are people in the NFL where they were like, hey, can't this can't happen by fall. Figure it out bad it's 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 tough but as for the heat man i i don't know if i like them in this series i think before everything started i kind of had nuggets in five or six and i said i would have said celtics in seven probably because i i just think celtics are a more talented team but obviously the heat and the heat culture man jimmy 35 7 and 6 the six is not assist it steals six steals tonight that's crazy oh he had seven assists too what a fucking stat line from Jimmy Butler tonight. 35 points, five boards, seven assists, six steals. Holy shit. Three turnovers only. Unbelievable game from Jimmy Butler. They were 16 to 31 from three. I've seen that before. Uh, let's see, anything else? Tatum had 30, um, but he had some brutal turnovers down the stretch. Jalen Brown had six turnovers. Uh, overall, the Celtics turned the ball over 15 times. Uh, Joel Mazzola got coached out of a paper bag uh, against Eric Spolstra, which is a surprise to no one. Uh, yeah, it's it's not not exactly exciting time. Celtics now also, I believe, it is nine and eleven in their last twenty home games uh, in the playoffs. <sighs>
a lot of demons here just thinking because you're like, okay, had the Bucks because the Bucks have won game seven. Uh, they probably couldn't. Yeah, this was gas. But, man, should this be the Bucks? Should we be doing Bucks Celtics instant reaction uh, with Mitch uh, for game one? Probably. But we're not. That sucks. Also, other uh, national media Murph topics. Victor Webinyama. Uh, he's a member of the San Antonio Spurs. Is it worth going to see Webinyama year one? Like, should you go actively try to see Spurs Bucks next season? I think so. I feel like you should get on the ground floor with this. I don't feel like it's one where you should let time slip by. I think it gets harder and harder to see these superstars, especially when they get good, because they become high-profile games. It's very hard to go see Joel Embiid play against the Bucks because usually Bucks Sixers is a big deal for a basketball game. It's probably really hard to go see Kevin Durant for the exact same reason. I haven't seen every NBA star that I've wanted to, and that's maybe something I need to work on if I'm thinking about it and just kind of going into what's next for me as a sports fan besides doing all this stuff is maybe I need to make it a point to be like, all right, I got to go see Durant once. I got to go see Wembenyama. I have to go see, I'm trying to think who else I haven't seen play play basketball. I haven't seen Tatum. Uh, I don't know if I put Tatum in that same category because I, I feel like it's like the kind of freaks of nature and Durant obviously is that. Wemby is that. I, I, I don't know if I put Evan Mobley there just yet. But I, I do see it a little bit with Evan Mobley. Um, and I was able to do that baseball-wise with Trout this year. I went and saw Trout and Otani. I was like, great. And I just feel like I need to make more of a point to go see those superstars. I saw Scherzer earlier this year too. That's another one to add to the list. So yeah, which I think I probably had seen Scherzer pitch before. But yeah, I think Webby's must-see for the Spurs against Giannis. Be curious to see how much TV time they get. I think the Spurs are a well-established team. So I wouldn't be surprised if you get a few Spurs games. I'm sure the Webby versus LeBron game one will be televised. I'm sure the, the Webby and Bede, like every superstar. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Spurs Bucks find its way on some sort of TV, um, whether it's NBA TV or a TNT game or an ESPN game. Uh, but yeah, I'm there for the first Wemby game at, at the Pfizer. The kids going to be credible. The last thing that I have for, oh no, I have two more things for the National Media Morph Report. Uh, I don't know if you guys caught this on, I think it was Tuesday. The Blue Jays manager called somebody a fat boy and he was looking over into the Yankees dugout. Nobody knows who he was calling fat boy. And I was thinking about if this happened. First of all, I was thinking about what divisional team would the Brewers get into a shouting match with? Some would say the obvious answer is the Cardinals because of Wilson Contreras, because of just the history. But I actually think it might be the Pittsburgh Pirates. Derek Shelton's a red ass. Derek Shelton, you need to have a red ass manager to do something like this. Derek Shelton's one. I think David Ross is a little more red, red ass than Ali Merrill. So... That said, I think those would be the two teams that the Brewers would get in a shouting match with. And if they called somebody a fat boy, I mean, we know it's Rowdy Tillets. No disrespect to Rowdy. You know, as a fellow fat, I can, I can call other people fat. It's kind of how it works. And it would definitely have been directed at Rowdy Tillets. Like, Rowdy is easily the biggest guy on our team. But for the Yankees, you don't really have, like, that big guy. Like, Fideki or Rabu was still out there. That would be your fat guy. David Wells... That would be your fat guy. 
Nobody knows who the fat boy is. And I feel like we need to know. And I feel like we need more more of this. Like, this is good. It's fun. Now, it didn't lead to a brawl or anything. Could the next time, potentially. But I, I like the fact that you have two teams who don't like each other. That's good shit. That makes Toronto, New York a watchable series. Just like LA and San Diego. I know uh, LA has you know controlled that series. Shouts to my guys, Divine Sports Gospel, going through it. I follow those guys on Twitter. Much more, much bigger base than I have. Uh, but still, uh, and you gotta like, I think though having those sort of divisional rivalries that mean something that you can put on TV and everybody's into them because of what happened and baseball fans will know and then all you gotta do is catch up the casuals who are have the game on or it's at the bar and you're like, oh, the reason why these teams don't like each other is because they thought Aaron Judge was stealing signs, but they're actually tipping pitches. And then there was a sticky substance issue, and these teams just and somebody called someone a fat boy. Like we just need more of it. And then and then once they happen, we need to build on it. Then we need to say, all right, when's the next Yankees Blue Jays game? Let's get that on Fox. Let's get that on Apple TV. Let's get that on Peacock. That to me is the stuff that the league still needs to work on. Uh, because they need to be more flexible. They need to be more malleable with their schedule. I think they do an okay job at it, but they could be even better. Uh, the last thought, PGA Championships this weekend. Yes, of course, the Saturday that I have a wedding, uh, it's a loaded sports calendar. That's that, that's just how the world works, baby. It, you can't control it. Uh, it's, it's how it goes. I'm psyched for the wedding, but still, that's always that's always painful. Uh, when it happens, Preakness, Brewers Rays, uh, you have the PGA Championship, and I'm sure some other stuff that I'm I'm forgetting. But as for the PGA, it seems like it's gonna be a really tough course. It seems like maybe like one under, two under a win. I think I'm gonna put Ty Hatton in a long shot. Um, I I know that's the one I know right now. I have a one and done league with my guy Murph, and I think I'm gonna go Sky Shuffler. Uh, but I have to do a little more research. I have procrastinated my research. I'm glad I got the podcast done. But now I, I'm off to do a little more research. I think it's going to be an awesome tournament, though. I, I would also not be surprised if Brooks, Brooks or Dustin Johnson went. I, I will, I'll throw those, those names out to you. You all probably already have laid bets unless you're listening, listening to this very, very early in the morning. But, yeah, I, I think we are in for a treat. It would also not shock me if a random person won. Because of just how hard this course is playing. Usually when you have hard courses, that's when that's when you get the randoms in there. Last thing I will leave you with was please seek out Dustin Johnson's video talking about how he hurt his back. They ask him, and they're like, hey, is this a swing thing? And he's like, nah, it's not a swing thing. Or they also ask him if he was picking up a kid. He kind of smirks and he goes, no, picking up a bigger kid. Clearly, and then just kept smiling. Clearly inferring that he was having stand-up sex with his wife, I think his wife now, Paulina Gretzky, who's one of the hottest in the WAG world. Unreal, man. What a fucking life. Dude got blood money from the Saudis, and he's just having stand-up sex with his smoking hot wife. What's better than that? I, I don't know. All right. That will do the, do it for today's show. That was a good that was a good way to wrap up. I could have went more, and I, I knew I knew better. That's when I knew I was like, all right, we got to cut that mic, get that mic out of here. 
Somehow it did 50. Uh, it's not going to be that long. Somehow it did like 48, 49 minutes. And I was like, yeah, let's get out of here in 35. I swear to God, every fucking time. All right. Back tomorrow, wrapping up the week with Mitch. Um, so enjoy that. And we'll be back solo uh, Monday. So we'll, we'll have a Monday pod. We'll try my best to get these out early. I know you guys like them uh, early. The stats tell me that. I struggle sometimes with it. Uh, wears you, shit wears you down. But I will, I will try for the people. All right. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.